the Lee Hecht Harrison podcast, a place where we'll be sharing insights and discussions about workforce transformation and what that means to you, the people of HR. Hello and welcome to this LHH podcast. My name is Russell Dethridge. I'm a principal consultant in leadership development and I've been working in that field for about 18 years now. I'm delighted to present this podcast because we're going to be talking about how leadership and a leadership culture can influence an organisational transformation journey. Now joining me on the line from Switzerland is Sarah Kane. She's a partner at PwC in the advisory business section, focusing on people and organisations. And in October in Basel, we had a great time talking about women in leadership and this topic, how a leadership culture can help or hinder transformational success. So, Sarah, welcome. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good morning, Russell. It's lovely to get to speak to you again. I know. Uh, Just um, if you don't know, Sarah and I, in October, I think it was, of 2018, had a really good session presenting together on this very topic, which is how can leadership influence the organisational transformation journey. So we thought we'd try and capture what we were discussing that day in this conversational form for other people across Europe or across the world, really, to to listen into. So that's the question. How can leadership skills or a leadership culture influence an organisational transformation journey? Sarah, just at the moment, at the end of 2018, going into 2019, uh, what do you think is driving the need for organisations to transform, not merely change, but to transform? Gosh, it's such a good question. And I think there's, uh, I think there's so much happening and so much pressure for organisations to change. So it's almost impossible to open up a newspaper these days without a headline around the impact of technology, so the impact of digitalization, looking at how robots are uh, entering the workplace at speed and really changing the nature of how work gets done in organizations. Mm -hmm. And then I think there are just broader changes, demographic shifts, Mm -hmm. societal shifts, but just really changing the nature and changing the the way organizations get things done Mm -hmm. and the priorities and the speed at which organizations need to change to Mm -hmm. respond to some of these changes. I just was um, interestingly reading a study this morning that was done, which pitted some artificial intelligence against 20 qualified lawyers (laughs) to see how quickly and how able they were to just review some legal documentation. And what took the lawyers on average 90 minutes took the AI machine 25 seconds. and, And actually the AI machine was able to do it with the same level of accuracy as the most qualified or the best performing lawyer. So... I think we're starting to see some of these fundamental shifts around who gets to do the work really coming and impacting organisations. That's really interesting because we often think of artificial intelligence not being able to operate at that level of sophistication that you'd think a well-qualified lawyer uh, would be able to. So that's that's amazing. Um, Did the article capture what the lawyers' responses were? Yeah, I think it's way too early to throw out your career if yeah. you, were, you were planning on being a lawyer. But yeah. I think some of those, uh, I think it will free them up mm-hmm. um, to do other jobs, yeah. you know, and to focus on other important things that are 
um, within the full spectrum of uh, of what they do. And maybe some of those more dull contract reviews that they do will increasingly become a yeah. thing of the past. Yeah, absolutely. When we were in Basel, one of the questions we were asked is, what's the difference between change and transformation? And I remember an audience member asking myself that. And I, I think I spoke to the fact that with change and change management, if things don't work, you can turn the clock back somewhat and and try that change again. But with transformation, it's very difficult to do that. Uh, and I think the analogy I made, maybe it's overused, but I'll say it again, is the difference between a regular general election, which is a change, and, and Brexit, which isn't. It's a huge transformation for not only the United Kingdom, but Europe and, and the rest of the world. So when you look, Sarah, at the role leaders play in influencing the success or otherwise the failure of transformation initiatives, what role do you think that leadership culture plays? Well, I think it's a great question. And I think I maybe just go back a step mm-hmm. in terms of what we see happening in organisations today, because I I suppose when I look back on my career, I really grew up in an environment where we were doing these big change programmes mm-hmm. that were taking 18 months, two years, and there was sort of a sense that we were setting a new sense of what is normal. Mm-hmm. Do your transformation for a couple of years, and then you know, you're set for an undefined period of time into the future. And I think the nature of change and transformation today is that organisations recognise that they're really in this permanent flux of responding to outside influences, responding to what's different in the world, responding to new competitive challenges. And it's almost like we're not really seeing transformation or change as something that's outside anymore or, yeah. or a temporary part. It's really part of how organizations live and breathe today. Mm-hmm. I see now this notion of a change leader growing, yeah. where leaders are really organizing that it's not about the last 20 years of their experience, which is still incredibly relevant, but it's more around empowering the organization to live in a state of change and empowering the organization to really come up with new ideas, Mm -hmm. to be agile, to respond to what's happening, and the change leader as the one who's mobilizing people to make a difference in the organization, and the change leader who's really getting down and getting working with people to really understand where the the direction of the organization so yeah maybe that the ivory tower is gone yeah absolutely and we did some research at lhh with our global colleagues as well and, and we were looking at about eight or nine different capabilities one for what leaders require for uh, i suppose we could call regular change and then other into kind of transforming an organization which speaks directly to what you were just talking about there, Sarah. So, for example, if I say a foundational leader capability might be, you know, this person needs to know the business, they have an an owner's mindset and they can set strategy and identifies tactics, whereas in a transformational setting where things may not be easy to identify the impact in the future, that's where somebody's got to be, a leader has to be very comfortable with navigating ambiguity and uh, taking calculated risks and can imagine the future and frames the opportunity of what that future can be. And certainly as we've been rolling out these programs with clients, you or myself have have seen people have the famous light bulb moment where they stop beating themselves up about 
how they're mm-hmm. leading this this transformation because they realize they don't have all the answers that this will be an iterative process yeah. and people will uh, including themselves will learn from what's working and what's not rather than with change a, a quite a linear process I'm, I'm wondering if you're seeing similar things with pwc yeah absolutely and we talk about it a little bit having the right narrative within your organization and mm-hmm. i think having a different narrative than you've ever had So I think the story used to go, here's our direction, here are the steps that we're going to take to get there, and here will be the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think now a really good digital narrative for an organization has a different structure. And it's more along the lines of we understand what's happening in our environment, and here's our organizational response to it. And here's directionally where we we want to go and what our purpose is and, and how we will make a difference. And so when we're talking to leaders, we're we're spending quite a lot of time talking about have you really got that narrative clear amongst the leadership team that you're able to then share with your people that they feel a sense of comfort in where they're going and and that you as a leader are enabling the organization to go there rather than taking the organization there. It's this notion of enabling. So, yeah, absolutely seeing this. I have a really nice question that I ask leadership teams, and it's so simple. It's when was the last time that someone in your organization came to you with a new idea or came mm-hmm. to you with an idea about how a process or a product or something could change in the organization? And it's quite interesting when you ask leadership teams these questions. And I was with a group of managers, leaders last week, and I asked them the same question and they all sort of looked at their shoes for a few minutes. And then one of them put their put, put their head up and they said, Oh me, I've I've got an idea. I've got an idea. And I and I said, Well what happened? Tell us the story. And uh, and the leader described someone coming into their office about six weeks ago and saying, Hey, I've had this notion can I please have permission to think about this? <laughs> and, permission to um, think. Yeah, so everyone kind of burst out laughing. And, and, and it was a real kind of moment where the penny dropped that actually one of those things that needed to change in the environment mm-hmm. was that they needed to find a way to really mobilize the brain power that mm-hmm. they had so that they were collectively thinking about yeah. new ways of working. I wanted to loop back on something you said earlier and, and the example you just given connects with it if if people are moving away from or if the transformations require something different to hierarchy and respect for the longevity somebody's been in the organization 25 years or so with the clients that you're working with how easily do they embrace that change that it's about their skills right now rather than their history yeah it's such a interesting um, and challenging area when you start to get into skills and capability mm-hmm. so some of the research now is really pointing towards how the half life of skills is shortening so the average half life of skills being around you know estimated at the moment to be around 4 years so what you knew or were able to do four years ago, probably about half of it is no longer relevant today. And I think this kind of speeding up of, you know, needing to continually acquire lifelong learning, continually having to, as PwC, we do a longitudinal study. So Mm -hmm. we've been asking for about 15 years, CEOs, a number of questions. And we always ask them the talent question. And in our most recent survey, we asked this direct question, you know, do you think you will have the right skills and capabilities in your organization? 
and about 80% of the CEOs responded that they were concerned that they did not have mm. the skills and capabilities in their organization to take them into the future. We were running a, a conference in Geneva last week and it, it was really interesting. One of the guys came up to me afterwards because I'd been sharing some of this research with them. And he said, it's really interesting. He said, your four years, your half-life of skills. He said, I've been feeling a little bit redundant. And actually, he said, I really took a positive message away that mm -hmm. actually I just need to invest in myself now yeah. to make myself current again. Yeah. And I, I, I feel optimistic that I have this chance to catch up now. So I thought that was a really nice response to something which is really a challenge for individuals and organizations to kind of frame it positively like that. Absolutely. Um, some research that LHH Europe conducted in the spring of 2018, one of the statistics was 83% of the people who responded, about 700 people, um, we asked, are anticipating increased focus on workforce transformation in the next three years. And a lot of that requires the ability to reskill, as you've just mentioned before. And I love that story of somebody coming to you and saying, I'm not redundant or these skills aren't redundant. I just need to replace them with something else, which speaks to that growth mindset um, that yeah. we often organizations talk about kind of conceptually, but don't actually really make happen or ensure is happening in the workplace, which um, brings me to another question is what sort of mistakes do you, you see leaders making when they're going through or, or leading transformations? What some of the, the pitfalls that they can fall into? I think there's a couple that's really worth mentioning. I think it maybe goes back to that fixed or growth mindset, getting the culture right so that people feel that they are safe to experiment, that they will be rewarded appropriately, that they'll be able to make the changes that are needed. And I, and it is interesting. You do look at a lot of organizations. The leaders will be able to articulate their view of what the culture is. Mm -hmm but they don't actually spend time measuring it or actually yeah. investing in it and understanding it and how they can change it. So why do you think that is? Because I see that a lot as well with the, there's a client I'm working with at the moment who their senior exec desperately want to work better as a team themselves, there's about eight or nine of them, and they really want to work in greater harmony. And we've been working through two or three sessions with them now. And it's only just now after eight hours of work over two or three months, where they're starting to kind of coalesce on the purpose of their particular team and the relationships that they need to develop in order to make that purpose come to life, let alone how they can then cascade the culture that they want to display into the rest of the organisation. So for me, the answer to my own question is, I suppose, is why, why do they find that difficult? Is because often they don't see themselves as a team. They don't coalesce around kind of a, a central narrative. And why do you think from your perspective, Sarah, with PwC's clients, why do you think they don't put that into place? They don't put that culture into action? Yeah, it's a good challenge. And I suppose I see a lot of, you know, that experience that you've just been through. I think because it's difficult and it mm -hmm. takes time. And I, and I think so often we're all so involved in keeping the wheels on the business and, and running the business that unless you fundamentally change your governance and mm -hmm. the time that you allocate to having conversations around your culture, then it doesn't change and mm -hmm. there is no scope or no place mm -hmm. or no point for having that as a sort of moment that you're really looking or, or a goal that you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting, where I do see it happening is there tends to be a catalyst. There tends to be something that happens. So 
a new leader joins from another organization that's had a digital culture or yeah. a different kind of culture or a you know a particular maybe an engagement survey yeah where an engagement survey is conducted yeah so there's there's a moment of of truth as it were or or the the clouds lift that you see and that forces some sort of different dynamic interesting what skills and behaviors do you think are essential for leaders to to navigate transformation i mentioned earlier about being comfortable working with ambiguity and being able to articulate and imagine the future but uh, from your perspective sarah what, what would you say are the skills you'd recommend we're just developing a model around this at the moment mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting concept because actually I think we can sort of turn traditional leadership a little bit on its head. So Mm -hmm. we have four dimensions that we can talk about. So one of them being uh, my favorite one, which is co-bossing. So we talk very much around um, how do leaders actually understand how they will work with technology in the future and Mm -hmm. how can they understand the impact of technology in the organization to get work done. Yeah. And I think this is really interesting when you do look at things like platforms, when you look at how automation is coming into the world. So I think this is definitely a kind of understanding that intersection between organizations and technology. And what was the name of that? that, What was that called? Cobotting. Cobotting. We've we've labeled it cobotting. So (laughs) as a sort of summary for technical literacy and having digital skills. Mm The other element, which I think is really important for leadership skills, is that right brain activity. So creativity, imagination and design. These are the things that are essentially very human and we're not at any risk of automation around these processes. So how can a leader really enable both creativity, imagination and design for himself, but also for his team? Mm -hmm. The third element we talk about is human connection. Mm -hmm the ability to have empathy, the ability to have an emotional intelligence and understand what's happening in the organization and being able to guide and lead that through creating human connections. It's almost yeah. like the ultimate activity that you know technology will struggle with. Yeah. And then the last of our four that we've put into our collection of key leadership skills for the future is the notion of being radically open. Mm-hmm. None of us really have crystal balls Mm -hmm. in terms of what's going to happen. So if you're in the automotive industry or if you're, you know, you're in the hospitality industry or the airline travel industry, what we have to do is continue to be open to new ideas, be able to experiment, be able to be open to new concepts and and develop quite quickly a, a mature filter around how to understand which ones resonate with you, which ones will impact your business, and therefore what you do with it. There are four that we're we're most often talking to leadership teams about. Yeah, they match with some of the research we've been doing this year as well at LHH. One of the the behaviours we think is crucial uh, for leaders to display is an operational boldness, which I think matches against your um, always readiness, your open mind readiness. Cognitive agility is another one, and a, and a willingness to challenge oneself and to say, maybe I need to set aside what's made me successful in the last 10 years or so and move on to something else where I'm, I'm risking things, but in, in, in the best sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, community and network influence as well is something that we see is crucial in connecting, knocking down silo thinking rather than the silos themselves, I think. There's an, an important part there. And the, the final point is self-care. 
I really believe in this, that often leaders don't look after their own emotional perspective or even sometimes physical perspective and then never really have an end to the week or a time when they switch off. And so really quite rapidly are running on fumes, as it were, so they're they're not making the best decisions cognitively or emotionally, which means it kind of undermines their ability to empathise. So my advice to people is, you know, um, as they say on aeroplanes, fit your own mask first and then you can help somebody else. Make sure that you are emotionally as fit as you can be as well as as well as physically. Yeah, I love all of those. And I think the last one really resonates because we are in this 24-7 environment. You know, technology allows us to work on top of the mountain, which is amazing. But technology also allows us to work on top of the mountain, which is also awful. Yeah. And, um, you know, depending on how you control and you react to it and you work with it, I do I do think there are um, increasing pressures, you know, and strains on leaders. And I think, yeah, I, lo- I love this notion of this notion of self-care. So look after yourself so you can look after your organisation. And I think um, you, it, it can be a place where, where people are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of change and people are feeling overwhelmed by how much transformation they need to lead, lead their organization through and and coupled together with the lack of certainty of success yeah so the lack of you know i'm going into a bold new future but i'm hoping i'm doing the right things for the organization yeah i think that's really important so for the people who are listening hr leaders or leaders in any skill or discipline and anybody else what would be your advice about who creates the the leadership skills and the leadership culture and the leadership development who should be responsible for that do you think i'm all for partnerships so i think uh, i think this needs to come from the leadership itself in terms of really creating demand thinking about gaps and i think what hr can do is to be a brilliant catalyst of that facilitating the process, asking the right questions, being the challenger and being the, you know, being the driver of this, there's, um, you know, there's different ways in which we can address these challenges now. So. Absolutely. And um, one of the things we're doing is, because w- what I take from that, which I think is amazing, that virtual reality, see what it's like on the shop floor, as it were, is when we're working with really leaders at any level, we'll often organise what we call organisational raids, where we take a group of people, say, from the hospitality industry and remove them to a completely different organisation and sit and discuss with people from the different organisation the challenges they have and how they've worked around it. So you've got this different perspective, but similar kind of broad solutions. We're running one of those in in a couple of weeks' time where we're taking people just to look at some common themes about uh, digitalisation and customer experience and so on. And I think, Mm -hmm. for me, getting out of, in the inverted commas, the classroom and into reality, um, which is what your uh, virtual things do to give that different perspective I think is is for me having done this for a long time now the way that learning really sticks and seeing it in the workplace as well yeah I love that yeah so I just want to say thank you Sarah Sarah Kane who's partner in advisory business at PwC particularly looking at people and organizations if you've got one thought you'd leave for the people who are listening today what would it be Sarah Oh, well, thank you for inviting me, Russell. It's been great to connect again. I feel I always feel a little bit like we could uh, yes. spend hours chatting about these topics because there's so many 
different angles and and dimensions that you can uh, that you can go down. I don't know why my, my one thought. Um, yeah, I think it has to be this notion of uh, of openness. It has to be this notion of um, how you know every day. How are you? enabling your organization to be open to new ideas and, and and awareness and understanding what's happening in the in the global macro micro environments that can really help you as a business i think this is really going to be so important and this one skill and you know being able to you know filter out information and find the find the nuggets that are really of value um, to your organization because we're in a world where you know knowledge is no longer a premium it's you know if you want to know something it's all it's it's all out there so how do you filter it and how do you really get to the get to the stuff that and how do you enable your organization to do that so you're you're thinking in a collective way I think that's a a really interesting organisational challenge that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some more creative solutions to. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. My parting thought would be that I think you mentioned it about the half-life of skills, that just because some skills are now no longer kind of required, it doesn't mean to say you're finished, that there's there's something other things that you can then go and develop. And encouraging that self-awareness, self-care and growth mindset is what is increasingly required of leaders in transformational challenges. So this is Russell Detheridge, Principal Consultant at LHH in the UK, saying thank you to Sarah and we'll hopefully speak to you all again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Lee Hecht Harrison podcast. If you want to find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.lhh.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.